Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody <laughs> on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. And the podcast is also brought to you by OnX Maps. And with OnX Maps, you can know where you stand with the most accurate hunting GPS tech on the market with land ownership maps that work offline. Go to onxmaps.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 20% when you sign up for an app membership at onxmaps.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the Gator Premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have. We're also proud to partner with Sitka Gear. And if you go to sitkagear.com, you'll see their full line of clothing. And their tagline is turning clothing into gear. And they are doing that through advanced technology that allows you to stay in the field longer, hunt harder, and stay safer. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Uh, go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. Um, the, the insider is changing how haunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK, and when you do, when you sign up for the insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. And with that, Corey... We are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. All right, folks. Well, welcome to another episode of the Elk Talk podcast. And uh, Randy and I are here in very sunny Park City, Utah for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's Elk Fest and Mountain Festival. And uh, it's, it's warm outside. And Randy just stepped off of a plane. And so yep. he's half asleep, which is per a quarter better than most of the time we get him. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an improvement. But we, uh, we don't have to 
carry much of the conversation today because we have a couple stellar guests that yeah. uh, this is just an honor. So I, uh, yeah. I guess without further ado, we've got Ben Potter, who Ben and I worked together on The Linguist. It's been three years ago now. Mm-hmm. So Ben and I met three years ago. Ben was the brains behind The Linguist and uh, based the, the brains, the controls, the guy who pushed record and yep. all of that. So kind of outdoors, uh, they were the ones that produced the linguist and made it the legendary film for elk hunters. And uh, we've got some other guy here with us that Ben found somewhere and he <laughs> needed a soft seat. And uh, <laughs> if you don't know the name Larry D. Jones, then you probably are listening to the wrong podcast. But <laughs> we are uh, greatly honored to have Larry here with us on the podcast today. Thank, so thank welcome, you. Ben thank and you. Larry. Thank you, Larry. And I was not kidding when I told you that if Michael Jordan showed up here or any athlete, I'd be like, who are you? This is the guy I yeah. want to talk to. <laughs> well, thank you. So, Ben, you uh, you have endeavored in a new project that uh, will be launched and released tonight officially to the public. Yeah. And so we're super excited to uh, hear maybe the story of that. And I know it was kind of your vision seeing that. And then you uh, contacted Larry and... Mm-hmm. Got some people behind it, and uh, we're. I, I, I have to admit, I got a sneak peek. Ben told me I was the first one that he had previewed it to. Yep. He, he might have yep. just told me that to make no, me feel I, special. That was, that was <laughs> true. I was at the airport earlier waiting for my rental car to show up. Ben's a VIP. He just walks in there, and they're like, Mr. Potter, here's your car. <laughs> An hour later, they finally gave me a broken-down Subaru. <laughs> but he asked me, he said, well, have you seen the film? I'm like, No. So now that I hear you got to see it, Corey, yeah. he's not jerking your chain that it was an exclusive preview I have, that you got. I have no pride. I begged. Oh, I begged well, to be able to go. see it. So Ben, uh, ben involved Larry and, and Dwight in the making of Elk Fever 3. And some of you listening to the podcast may not be old enough to remember the original Elk Fever uh, videos came out on VHS. Larry, what was the first, what year did, did Elk Fever 1 come out? Um, it came out in 1986. 1986. So I was 11 years old. Yeah. And it was about that time that I was, I was sharing the story that we can get back to, but, uh, and then Elk Fever 2 was a handful of years 90, later. 92, I think we yeah. came out. We worked on it a couple of years of, uh, taping out in the woods and Yep. So for those, video. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who grew up on Primos, the Truth DVDs, mm-hmm. Larry was the original. I mean, it's, there's just no way no one was making elk hunting videos back then. 1986 was probably the first. Well, f- um, actually, uh, Stony Wolf Productions put out an elk production that uh, I got involved with, actually. Okay. And uh, uh, they're one of the reasons I. Did my own. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, not not that it was bad, but I thought I don't know. Maybe egotistically, I thought I can do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> and it it just didn't capture the feeling of of elk hunting, you know, that that I I felt in my yeah. myself. And um, you probably know I've I produced about 20 different productions yep. through the years. And when I would talk to editors or videographers, I said, it's about feeling. Yeah. I said, what's a good movie? When, when, the, when the actor 
gets you crying because they're crying, they've got you hooked. Yep. And that's that's what your your production needs to be about. It's not about just killing elk. It's about the thrill of the hunt and and uh, the defeats and the misses and <laughs> wait, the misses. wait, there are there are misses. <laughs> and no, oh, misses. Wait, wait, you miss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> no, hold on, don't spoil anything yeah, here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, so 1986 and then 1992, and then here we are in 2019. Which, if my math is correct, I graduated in 1993 from high school. Mm-hmm. So. That was like, what, six years ago, seven years ago? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I wish. So 20, 27 years ago, The Last Elk Fever yeah. uh, came out. So you, uh, you drug that one out. Mm-hmm. You, you built some suspense. <laughs> and I seriously, when Ben sent me the text and said, would you want to preview Elk Fever 3? I haven't felt like that since. I, I don't know. I remember being excited for Christmas as a little kid. I couldn't get the text quick enough to be able to watch Elk Fever 3. And I turned it on. I blocked out all distractions. And it was, it took me back to being 11 years old. And that, Sweet. Awesome. that feeling inside of just loving elk hunting for elk hunting. Yeah. And everything else melts away. You know, the work, the industry, the, the egos, it was elk hunting. Awesome. So, awesome. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of, when we, you know, I got to know Larry through the linguist, you know, and uh, I mean, the, the world of elk and elk hunting was brand new for me on that year when we were shooting the linguist and getting going and trying to subtly pretending like I knew about elk to make sure I could get this, get this job. <laughs> and then, so I got to know Larry, so hey, I don't have the history going way back of seeing these films back in the, back in the, when they were out and stuff, but it was just, we had such a great time getting to know you and spend time. And I just felt like, man, there's, how could you, it just drove me crazy that, how could you make Elk Fever 1 and 2 and not complete this <laughs> trilogy? I mean, you got to make Elk Fever, someone's got to make it, you know? And so we, I think it started just like joking around, hey, let's make Elk Fever 3. Larry, what do you think? And, and, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and he's like, what's your name again? What, what are you doing in my house? <laughs> Have you seen Elk Fever 1 and 2 yet? Yeah, right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah so. Well, it, you know, I, uh, it's probably been about six or seven years. I was up in Idaho hunting with this this guy, and uh, we would come. They had a cabin, and pretty nice cabin. And we was when I he knew I was coming up. He says, "Larry, I've never seen any of your videos. Would you bring up?" You know, <laughs> so I take it up there, and so we come in one day, and we're looking at it. And I'm not, you know, I'm fixing lunch and stuff. And he's sitting down there and he's looking at him and his dad and a couple other guys. And pretty soon he says, Larry, this is really good. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, what'd you expect? <laughs> Something shoddy? But, but he said, this is better than what they're doing nowadays. Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, that was quite a, a nice thing to hear, you know. But yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So going back to Elk Fever 1, who who was in Elk Fever 1? Well, it's How, really not called, called Elk Fever 1. It was Elk it's Fever. Just, it's Elk Fever. Yeah, yeah. The, the first Elk Fever. Well, it was, it was myself and D- Dwight Shue, um, and then my son, basically. Um, and your son, and, Steve. And there, yeah, my son, Steve. And then um, in Elk Fever, we had uh, Jay Reyes, who had the llamas. And there might have been somebody else in there too. I don't but you know, the, but the main characters was the three of us. Yeah. And um, 
I'm I'm one of these guys that don't give up very easy. <laughs> and we had hunted 18 days before we got the first elk on video. <laughs> oh. Yeah. First well, elk on weren't video. Weren't you just telling us that it was way easier hunting back yeah. then because <laughs> nobody else was doing it? That's, that's right. But <laughs> thing you got to remember, we didn't have a, a cell phone doing the, the video. We had a camera that weighed 20 pounds and there was a... No, I think the camera was 18 pounds, and then it had a four-pound block of battery on it. And then, of course, you got to carry an extra battery. Yeah. And then we had a cord that went from there to a deck. Uh, it was a three-quarter SP deck that weighed about 16 pounds without the battery. And the cord, I think, weighed a pound or two. And um, it really, it ended up being like a three-person job. My son, Steve, we built a, a pack frame where we could latch the camera in this bag, you know, and he would carry the camera. Um, the cameraman carried the tripod. Uh, I carried a bunch of batteries and lunch and, and Dwight, you know, it just, it took all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after about 18 days, you know, I'm not one that, just uh, walks a little ways and drives around. <laughs> you know, we hit the bush. Mm -hmm. You're getting pretty ragged, you know. Yeah. But uh, and then it was uh, shortly after that we started uh, just got some luck and and uh, we killed two bulls in one day and captured both of them on video. And then oh. and one of them spectacular. It's probably one of the best footage ever. Uh, my son Steve is nestled in amongst the branches of, you know, set up, waiting for this elk to come in. Dwight's calling, and, and I'm doing cow calls, and we're raking brush and all this stuff that you do. And this bull comes and walks within five yards of Steve, and he pops him in the lungs. But the best part, in my opinion, of the whole <laughs> video, after Stephen shot him, he... He's jumping up and down. I mean, just literally jumping up and down. And he's got an arrow in his hand and a bow in the other. And he's, he's jumping up and down and saying, I got him, I got him, I got him. You know, and then Dwight walks up and slaps him on the back. You know, and the, you just don't reproduce that kind nope. of stuff. Yeah. That's, that's what a big part of, of uh, elk hunting is that excitement, mm -hmm. being successful. You know, good friends, good family, yep. those sort of things. And it's still the, his reaction is a memory I have of, of watching yeah. that and seeing him react, you know, just that dance he was doing. And yeah. that I've got a hunting partner that, that reacts similar to that. Sure. And so it's, like you said, it's, it's something you talk about years later. Yes. Remember Donnie when he shot that bull, how he reacted? And it's just, that's like you said, it's something that can't be reproduced. Yeah. And that was captured in... Elk mm. fever in 1986, you know, and then an elk fever too, Steve. Steven, that was Stephen's first six point. Wow, that was his first elk <laughs> six point bull. Oh wow! And then the next video we do, elk fever two, he kills a Roosevelt six point. <laughs> that was his second elk ever. Wow. He was on a roll. <laughs> Man, so elk fever was 33 years ago. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Wow. And we complain about carrying the camera. I mean, Ben complains about carrying the camera here. <laughs> well, he's got a heavy camera. Yeah, heavy <laughs> camera. And he's got like 17 lenses and he's like digging through. There's like, there's a lens yeah, I, I need. Yeah. Yeah, I hate it, him going with me. 
<laughs> yeah, the whole time Larry's like, I don't really like your camera. It's too, too much. And too, then elk, too much going on. Elk Fever 3, what did Dwight say to you? Oh, man. He, so you'll see at the end of the film, there's a little somewhat of an outtake where yeah. he just basically told me, I don't really like you filming me because it's interrupting my hunting right now. But he also, there's quite a bit more of that interview where he basically told me that video just doesn't have the impact that um, slideshow presentations have. Multi you see, when I'm just like taking filming the whole, you know, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, everyone's entitled to an opinion. But he was like, just that guy, man. He is just so, I think he's just, you know, he's so blunt and uh, yeah. so like, I'm just going to speak honestly to you. Yeah. And he hardly knew me. And he's probably just like, what is this Yahoo doing here <laughs> with us? And, uh, and he was just telling me like, he just did unapologetically that what I'm doing didn't really have much of an impact. <laughs> and I was like, it's all good, brother. Yeah. I'm still going to film you. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so, so Larry, how did, yeah. how did you and Dwight initially meet? What was... Story there. <laughs> the story is, he was uh, well. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you this way. Uh, well, there's there's, there's, t there's two ways of saying. There's that. his side of the story yeah. and yours. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, he was going to University of Oregon and uh, studying journalism, and uh, he had heard about a fellow by the name of Billy Cruz and Larry D. Jones <laughs> that were hunting the Wallowa Mountains and killing bulls. And so he called me up and said, I'd like to interview you. And on, back then, I, I would have been pretty successful. I was killing bulls every year, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, I thought, this guy just wants to come and pick my brain. Steal <laughs> <laughs> all my ideas. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to know where I'm hunting all that. And anyway, after talking to him a little bit, I said, okay, come out the house. And so we'd... He did, and he interviewed me, and then it came about, we was just talking honey, and I said, oh, I seen an article in Outdoor Life about stalking mule deer, and he said, oh, really? He said, uh, did you like it? I said, yeah, it was really good. You know, he had written it, written it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, hadn't paid attention to who the author was or anything <laughs> like that. And I was like, so I'm just, oh, yeah, it was a great article. <laughs> Thankfully, so you said that. <laughs> so we talked some more. And then we realized we'd already met in the Mine Valley in the Wallow Mountains at four o'clock in the morning, crossing the Elk Creek Bridge. <laughs> and I was trying to pick his brain of where he'd seen elk, where it's best go. He was doing the same with me. <laughs> Unbeknownst to either of you, yes. who it was. Yeah. That's, great. That's how I met him. And then how'd you guys start hunting together? Well, since we were hunting the mine area together, we eventually got together in a hunt there. Yeah. And he was he was a poor, struggling art uh, rider, you know, back then. And uh, it, I don't know how many articles you've written, but you don't get paid much for them, <laughs> even today. Right. So to become an outdoor writer and, and make a living at it, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. A lot of people do it on the side, and that's, you know, I write because I enjoy, you know, sharing stories and and information, so. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So, when, so you, when you started that, Larry, did you 
say, oh, we're just going to go out and film all this and we're just going to get filthy rich. <laughs> or, oh, you mean, did, did, did you have any business uh, goal to it? Or yeah, was it? Oh, I you did, did actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, when we did Elk Fever. Yeah, yeah. I'd, say I'd started my um, my game call business, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, my Larry D. Jones Elk Bugle, which had a stainless steel reed in it, was really the first elk uh, call on the market that sounded like an elk. You know, mm-hmm. pretty close to it. And uh, so my goal there was to, like Fred Bear did, is to, you know, uh, put something together that the audience could see us using our product. And, you know, uh, that's, that was the main goal. Hmm. Uh, so the video was a marketing vehicle for, yeah, in for a the, sense, for the it, Even though, you know, uh, back then we sold those. I think some of the first ones we sold for like $35 a BHS copy. <laughs> wow. Back in 1996. But, but, but I spent a lot of money on elk fever. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I, I probably spent at least 100 hours editing it, much less the 40 days that we spent videotaping it. Yeah. And uh, I had to go to a big production house and... They were charging two hundred fifty dollars an hour, and by all, when it was all said and done, I think I spent about twenty thousand dollars on oh. that production. Yeah, oh. back in the mid eighties, and, and I've, I've never recouped that. <laughs> <laughs> Still to this day. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, yeah, excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you you also got to look at it as as promotion. Yeah. No. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was. It was a job. So did it sell a lot of elk calls? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's really it, hard to measure that, yeah. you know. It sold me one. I know that because <laughs> I, I was telling you, you know, before we pushed record here, I was, I think I was 12, 12, 13. So either, you know, 1987, 1988, mm-hmm. elk fever had come out and I was at West Sporting Good on the, you know, right as you come across the bridge in Orfino, Idaho, where I grew up. And as a 12-year-old going in the sporting goods store, it was we're talking 14 feet by 20 feet, maybe just this tiny little thing with two rows in it of, <laughs> you know, they had a little refrigerator of worms and uh, Ronnie West, the lady, she would take the, the worms out of the carton and dump them right on the countertop there so you could count them and make sure they're all alive. <laughs> and then she'd scoop them right back into the bucket, put the lid on, hand them to you. Wow. I mean, going to the sporting goods store, was an, it was an event. Mm-hmm. And I can remember standing there looking at that rack of diaphragm elk calls and picking my first one. And, uh, you know, I think we'd played with diaphragms before. I'd used diaphragms before, but that was a purchase to go elk hunting. And it was a Larry D. Jones elk call. <laughs> and uh, I told the story, but we're, we're heading out hunting. I don't know if it was that night or the next day, but I've got the diaphragm in my mouth. I'm riding in the back of the truck on the three-wheeler. So the three-wheeler's in the back of the truck. I'm on it like I'm actually driving it. And I'm cow calling as we're driving to go out hunting. And I turned my head just right and the breeze came through and grabbed that diaphragm out of my mouth and it went up through the air and we're doing 40 miles an hour down the gravel road. And I didn't dare stop my dad and tell him I'd drop my diaphragm. And <laughs> so I, and I didn't dare tell him I'd lost my diaphragm when we got to the trailhead. So we went separate ways and I hunted that whole evening without a, without a diaphragm elk call. But that was for me growing up, uh, elk fever was part of instilling the passion in me that I have for elk hunting. And so to see it full circle now, to come and to, 
to be in a position where I have that passion mm-hmm. and be able to share my passion for elk hunting with others, you know, I, I it would be, uh, I would be pretty remiss not to give you credit for a lot of that inspiration because it did, it, it lit the fire in me to be able to see mm. Steve excited mm. about elk. I didn't kill my first elk until I was 20 years old. Wow. I hunted every season from the time I was 12. And most of the time I'm carrying my bow during rifle seasons, which in Idaho, you know, you could archery hunt the whole month of September. Then you had rifle through October and into November. I'm carrying my bow for two and a half months out there. And it took me nine years yeah. to kill my first elk. But I was not going to give up because I wanted to celebrate the way that that Stephen did on that. And of course, I was by myself when I killed my first one, so it was anticlimactic. So I I knew I had to pack it out. But, you know, I I just, when I think of elk calling, Larry D. Jones is the first name that comes to mind. And it's, you know, there's there's a pioneering there, an innovator, uh, uh, just a, a legacy of doing it the right way for the right reasons. You know, when you, when you, do something like this, it's, it's not become well-known or no. famous or anything. <laughs> but, and you, you don't really know the impact. I mean, you're telling me I impacted your life, you know. And uh, when I, one of the times I remember that stuck out so clearly in my mind, I was actually in uh, New Mexico uh, on this uh, outfitter called me and he had some guides and he wanted me to school his guides. <clears throat> and so we were in his house and he had, I, I think the kid was like six years old and we were sitting down, maybe having some lunch. I don't remember exactly what we was doing, but we was having some lunch and a little guy got elk fever out and he shoved it into the <laughs> player <laughs> and he's sitting back there and he's watching it. Then he started going, hee, 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 he's going to put pine cones in his shoe. <laughs> I thought, this is wonderful. This kid is, sees how much fun hunting yeah. can be. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we lose that, I think, a lot today. I think, I think there's been a movement that's brought it back and aligned it a little bit where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But for so long there, it was all ego-driven and inches-driven and... Yep the passion of elk hunting and the, just the, I don't know, there, there's not a word that adequately describes it, but that was missing. And so mm-hmm. many of the, the generation that got into it for a while there got into it for the wrong reasons and yeah. missed out on the true heart of elk hunting. Yeah. Now I give Ben credit here because I guess, <clears throat> I guess maybe you've seen some of that in me <laughs> and it was your idea to mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, Fever 3. And Ben has captured, I think, some of that fun hunting experience that uh, Dwight and I and Stephen <clears throat> and others have, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like seeing, you know, we all kind of brand new for me. You know, I'm just trying to soak up as much as I can from everywhere and so getting to spend time with you and you know all you guys out in the field it's just it was such i feel such a gift you know for me but then more than you know i'm always studying the calling and the tactic and when to say what all that stuff but more than that i mean just watching him and dwight just just the banter back and forth (laughs) messing with each other (laughs) laughing at each other poking fun at it i mean i was like 
thinking there's that line in Elk Fever where the narrator just says, this is elk hunting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's so, it's just, it makes like light of, yeah, this should be a really good time. Yeah. You know, like we're out with good friends. We wait for this all year long. I mean, it's all I think about throughout the year, most of the time. And, uh, it, you know, and I think just seeing this guy just, at this, you know, late in his later years in life, just loving it, you yeah. know, with his best friend, you know, I mean, I was just like, yeah, because I, you know, it's, I feel that tendency in me in the last couple of years, I've been hunting uh, on my own now, and I feel this tendency to just get very serious and get, okay, it's go time, it's time to just, I'm not going to let anything slow me down, I'm here to kill an elk, and I don't know, it just... Um, you know, my own seasons, like every elk hunter had its ups and downs and, but it's, I think being, being able to spend time with, with you guys, you know, with Larry last season, it's like really brought, it just kind of hits reset and you say, man, there's just better things to worry about or to, to just enjoy than to only make it about, um, how big is that elk and, or, um, you know, Anyway, the harvest and focusing on, I mean, even like when we're shooting the slideshow scene in this film, there's a scene where this big elk comes up on the screen and Larry goes, this is a, this is a nice big elk. And I was thought he was going to say, this is about a 330 board. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm terrible at measuring them, but he goes, that's about a seven maybe 800 pound animal <laughs> you know and it's just like he's looking at that thing and saying look at that steak yeah. and look at that and that's gonna fill my freezer and very rarely it's weird i don't know i mean maybe just just the little bubble i'm in but i just don't i don't really hear that people celebrate like i mean everyone's stoked on the meat and don't get me wrong but it seems like we gravitate toward measuring the antlers you know first or yeah. the character or something you know um, but seeing just, you know, seeing you out there, just, I don't know, just enjoying the, the right things yeah. has been, it has been a real gift, you know? So, well, and that's, yeah. you know, the thing that I noticed with the linguist that Ben's a storyteller and that's, he, he tells a story and captures the, the heart of the story. You know, so many times in, in especially videoing and Randy, you've been in video as long as, you know, anybody, especially producing consistent, continual content and a lot of times it's hard to separate the success side of it from the storytelling side of it. And there's always a story, right? but sometimes we miss the story trying to be successful and trying to capture that success. Mm -hmm. And I think with the linguist, that's the one thing that stood out to me was Ben captured the story, the story of the history of elk calling, you know, mm -hmm. the pioneers and, and the passion we have for it. And yeah, there's, I just, I don't want to give spoilers away, but <laughs> if you like hunting videos and you want to see a true hunting video that captures where my passion started and I think where most of our passion starts, it's in that story. And, and Ben and Larry have captured it in Elk Fever 3. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you. man. Yeah. Well, if anyone... But I haven't seen it, so now I want to just put the headset down <laughs> and say, yeah. Ben, where can I go okay. watch this? Well, what time is it playing tonight? I think about 7.15, 730, right. something like that. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll wait a few. So, yeah. yeah. I think they got it all dialed in. I think so I got is, was this one season for... This was uh, just one season, yeah. Um, I mean, it was, believe it or not, we had a, we had a tough season. It was not uh, what we had 
in years past with, you know, with you guys. I mean, it, we just had, it's hunting, you know, some years, I mean, there was things in a linguist that we just were like, wow, that worked out Another one? in an amazing way, you know, yeah. um, you know, when, when Isaac killed that bull, I yeah. mean, we, I was hoping at least to just get some, some cool father son bonding yeah. moments, you know, and this will be cute and fun and, yeah. you know, yeah. and, you know, and, uh, but we had, that was an amazing thing that was just given to us, you know, some things, um, yeah, you can't control. And so I think it was day, uh, what day was it, Larry, that we saw our first elk, maybe day, because you did four or five days filming with Joel. Yeah. In Oregon. Yeah. Toward the coast, I think. And, and we and, did some and, in Oregon. And then we hung with Steve and we yeah. thought we that might have heard week. one. I think that was a week. <laughs> yeah. About a week with Steve. We thought we heard one. Yeah. He thought he saw one. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, you know, we're like, oh man. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I tell myself this constantly. This story is not about killing elk. This is not about getting the kill shot. But at the same time, I want to capture that moment. I mean, that's really <laughs> at exciting. Elk. Yeah, at least, uh, yeah, no. you know, and so we were in Idaho and uh, so we did a bunch of hunting in Oregon and then we went over to Idaho to meet Dwight and hunt with those guys and, uh, and Dwight and his daughter. And, uh, and I think it, uh, it was before Dwight showed up or maybe, no, we hunted the first half of the day with Dwight and then he went back to camp and we just kept hunting and and it was that afternoon, I want to say it was probably, okay, in total, we're getting in day 10 or something like that. Yep. I could be day wrong on my days. But <laughs> I think anyway, it was a long time. <laughs> and that day, we got on two separate elk. And, and that was amazing. Like, it we were like, thank you, Lord, for <laughs> these elk showing up. And we just, it was great. And, and the fun fact uh, that when... We, it was really windy, so I'll give Larry this. But Larry, we thought we heard, I didn't hear it, obviously. I can't hear. But Larry heard <laughs> something, and he goes, I, I think I heard something. So we set up, and he starts calling. And then he's like, no, I think that's another hunter. And, and I was like, okay. And, you know, just he would know better than I would. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we just kept hunting and then all boom, we just, we, it was really, we had some cool moments getting an elk, but it wasn't, you know, it was great. Cause we got to see, witness some really epic moments of some bulls bugling and ripping up the ground and doing their thing, you know, what every elk hunter loves to see, good you know, video. it's good, yeah. good bit. But at the same time, like even after that, I felt obviously I was stoked when we walked off the mountain with, with that encounter. Um, not to give away too much here, but I was going to say, don't tell us about yeah, anybody no, missing or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah, or or hitting. But there was this. <laughs> I don't know. It just was. It was great because it was that was great, and we love those footage. But at the same time, I'm like, was it really truly more stoked on the time I got the film with Dwight and Larry? just enjoying each other and having a good time as good friends on the mountain, you know, uh, doing what they love to do for how many years, Larry, have you guys hunted together? I don't know, probably 30. Yeah. That's well, amazing. 19, 1986 was 33 years ago. Okay. And <laughs> 33. Yeah. And the only reason I bring that up is because Randy asked if this, if this film was just one season right. and it absolutely was not. It was 33 years. Okay. It, it really was. Yeah. That, yeah. It, it takes you through everything. It, I just, I don't know. It's summed up yeah. in the best way you can sum up 33 years of a passion for elk hunting. Mm. Wow. Were, were elk fever and elk fever too, were those just one season? No. And multiple. Well, um, elk 
fever was. Okay. But we hunted Oregon and Idaho. Yeah. So, like I said, 40 days. Elk fever 2 was two seasons. Okay. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask that, Larry, is in today's world, we're expected to go out and try to tell a story in five days. <laughs> and that I reflect on that for two reasons. One, how much work you put into one end product two seasons or 40 days in today's world. If I put 40 days into one final product that someone could watch for 90 minutes, I, people would be like, Hey, Newberg, come on, get, yeah. hey, give me a break. man." Yeah. <laughs> so just, uh, I asked that for the difference of how it was then versus how it is today. And people, uh, we have our YouTube channel and we do these day by day hunts. And if they know we're out in the field, uh, Monday through <laughs> Friday, by the next Monday, people are asking, well, where is it? Where you, 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 yeah. you, you got in on Friday. Where, where's it at? Yeah. Can we, when are we going to be able to see it? Yeah. It blows uh, my I, mind. Yeah, That's so much work. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. even with that being said, I think for me there are three or four films that will remain in my memory forever, and they're the ones that took work. They aren't. The, I just think as fast as we're spewing content out, and as fast as people are absorbing it, it's just in one ear and out the other, and it doesn't last. It doesn't stay with them. The, those impressions aren't with them the way that they are on a project like yeah. this. I think there's still. Uh, I was going to say relevance, but it's more than relevance. I think there's still a need for film that tells a deep mm -hmm. story yeah. and not just, I mean, I love the day by day, you know, that's, right. there's nothing like going out and hunting elk for 30 days and producing 30 days of content for people to watch. Yep. Yeah. It, but they get tired of watching you. There's some blow, blow stocks after a while. Yeah. Exactly. That's where editing comes in. Exactly. Yeah. So well, the, the editing part of that's funny. Uh, when I was on Outdoor Channel, my first season, 2009, so we filmed it in 2008, uh, I sent in uh, an episode. One of my friends, Scott Jones, hunts with a longbow. We're hunting in the Ruby country in Nevada. And... Uh, we didn't chew one. Didn't, didn't really, mm -hmm. I mean, had a lot of blown stocks, but that mm -hmm. was about it. So I sent it into the network and it, people, viewers aren't going to understand this because they haven't seen what a network contract looks like. Yeah. But the network is, in a lot of respects, the driver of what the end product looks yep. like. Yep. And so I send it in and someone at the network emails me and they're like, you know, this is your first year. Are you sure you really want an air an episode where you didn't kill anything? I'm like, well, yeah. Why? Well, we, those, that, that's not really something you want to do. I'm <laughs> like, well, then I'm in the wrong business because <laughs> a lot, I thought we had a banner year this year where we only had one or two of these where we didn't kill something. There might be some years where that's how many we do kill yeah, something. Yeah, and, yeah. and so they, uh, their emails back and forth. And finally I'm like, look, I'm the one paying you for airtime and I want to air this. So I did. And it was one of the most viewed 
But if Nielsen ratings mean anything, it was one of the most viewed episodes we had of the whole year. And I think it was because it was a story about me and Scott growing up, meeting each other in Nevada and getting back together Mm -hmm. for a hunt and it's a leftover tag. It's like, we don't, we don't need a premium tag. Let's just get together and do another one of our every three year kind of gatherings. And that was what the story was. Mm -hmm. And the, the point of, the, of of bringing that up is when when you say film and stories, I hope that we always have an effort within what we're doing in producing media in the outdoor space that yeah. we try to tell stories as as much work Ben you how much work you put into something like this on the back that people don't see oh, is yeah. just uh, amazing for how long is Elk Fever three. Uh, it's 32 minutes. 32 so, minutes. I mean, so. it's a little bit longer than the last, yeah. you know, long. And, and a linguist was the longest film I had done, mm-hmm. um, up to that point. Um, and then this, this was a tiny bit longer and, you know, tried to see where I could trim, trim some fat off, but it just so much of it was kind of, you get attached to narration <laughs> and scenes and, yeah. and it's, it changed a little bit probably from the very first copy, you know, I sent you a tiny bit, but, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, there's so many epic stories out there. And I mean, somebody told me a long time ago with just shooting stuff in general, he's, he's just to be real careful not to create a crutch for yourself. And uh, some people, uh, like for photography, some people just really have to, they want perfect light for their photo, mm-hmm. maybe that sunset hour. So all the photography is shot in that, on that crutch. And if it's mm-hmm. overcast, then they're just like up in arms. So what do I, how do I work with this? You know, and uh, I think for hunters, because so much of our work is devoted to harvesting an animal, mm-hmm. it, that can, it can be a very, very easy crutch for any, any filmmaker. Um, so they may, maybe you have a bomb tag in your pocket and you're going into an exclusive unit. So pretty much if you don't harvest an epic animal, then you're going to feel defeated in your story because that was your crutch, you know, and you know, want people want to see big bulls or want to see a lot of interaction. That's what people want. And that's what the same thing that it sounds like you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. but I think it's pretty dang refreshing when, you see people miss and you see people make mistakes. You're like, oh crap. <laughs> They're normal. Corey Jacobson is human. Hey, Randy wait. Newberg is human, you know? And I don't say my name. <laughs> and, and Larry thought that hey, that Larry was you. another hunter calling when that was a bull elk. And you've been hunting for how many years? You know? And like Only 50. He made, oh my gosh, he made a mistake, you know? And it's like, I think that stuff is, is going to, that's the stuff where people can will start to really gravitate toward the story because it's real. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. You know, it's like people want to see stuff that's real. Yeah. And well, I think it's a... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, people, re, uh, they can align themselves very easily with mistakes because we all make them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm never ashamed of showing a, a miss because I know that everybody out there knows how you feel yep. <laughs> uh, mm. unless you've never shot an arrow <laughs> you know, mm. you know, they know how you feel <sighs> let the air out of you, you and know? sometimes it's easier to show them that miss because then they can at least commiserate with you and yeah you have yeah. somebody there to so, so yeah I, I think that's critically important I mean it's it's part of what happens 
Yeah. Even if you're the best shot in the world, when that adrenaline starts flowing through your veins and your arms start shaking, your legs shake so bad you can't stand up, <laughs> it's easy to miss. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so narr narration. Go ahead. I think that was, when we look back, you know, the Marty Stoffer and some of the you know, oh, wild yeah. kingdom back in the yeah. 80s, yeah. the narration was just epic. Uh -huh. you know, just off the charts, corny. <laughs> <laughs> and when you watch Elk Fever, it's that same level of narration <laughs> that the voice, the story, everything just pulls you in. And you're, you know, the, the voice of the guy in Elk Fever, you know, just elk hunting is not for the faint of heart. You must get up early and eat a big breakfast if you want to be an elk hunter. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? And then to capture that in Elk Fever 3, the exact same voice, the exact same storytelling of narration, I thought for sure it had to be the same guy. And Larry, Larry assures me it's not, but no. that was... I mean, that, that makes the film, that narration of awesome. taking us back to the 80s. So you shot it in that format and style of a narrated So yeah, I mean, it, it was being, wanting to stay within the same vein of, okay, Larry established his style, uh -huh. Elk Fever, Elk Fever 2. And then, you know, what I'm doing uh, with Kana is, a, is a obviously different. And, but I've... I really look up to what he did. You know what I mean? So it was the early days of, of actually putting together. I had it in my mind and I had it written out and what I was, the film I wanted to make. And I tried to explain to Larry and there's plenty of times he's shaking his head at me. Like, <laughs> I don't really know how that works, but <laughs> this is your thing. Okay, whatever. And uh, you go back to California and yeah. uh, whatever, man. And, uh, but so the early editing, I was, I was really struggling because I felt like I really don't want to just rehash a bunch of awesome old footage. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want this to feel like the same thing, but just maybe some different music and different narration. So what we did was, um, what, you, what you'll see is, you know, Larry wrote a script. I asked him to just answer all these questions for me. And there were some lines in my head and that those lines either from Elk Fever that I just thought were gold, like that was a fantastic hunt, <laughs> you know, just that, that kind of stuff. I'm like, yes, that is an awesome line. Or is this elk hunting? Or just cheese, cheesy lines, but are awesome, you know, and classic. Or, or yeah. things that are just obvious, very obvious to any elk hunter. But we love hearing it. You know, mm -hmm. there's some things as, as elk hunting that you will never get tired of, right? I mean, you'll never get tired of bugle. You'll never get tired of hearing about someone's elk story and their adventure and. Uh, we can relate to all that stuff. So um, try to just create a, a real well-rounded diet of, you know, and a lot of that came from Larry writing up, answering my questions. Uh, some of it was just research online and some of it was me adding in stupid lines that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, all the or, stupid or, lines. Yeah, I was going to say, so Larry yeah. doesn't take credit for <laughs> the, all the of corn, The super corny, uh, I think we both had our fair share of corny lines, <laughs> but uh, uh, there's, yeah, it's good. I mean, I didn't, I want it to be elk fever is his vision, you know? So I want to honor that as much as possible and keep that, that going. Um, if I'm really truly trying to create an elk fever three, complete this trilogy, um, I, it has to flow with the, the last three, but at the same time I'm shooting on a, a red Epic and 8,000 <laughs> pixel frames. And so, uh, you know, I'm doing stuff is looking to look a little different. 
Um, so I wanted to just out write of them focus. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you watch Elk Fever, almost, I would say 95, 98% of those shots are off a tripod in Elk Fever. Yeah. You know? we, we did not have uh, stabilizers. Yeah. They were all off of tripod. Mm-hmm. Because you about, couldn't hold about, it up for long enough well, to yeah. get a shot. Well, you can't hold it steady. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you, and, and we had some pretty good lenses on them. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, if if you think it's hard videotaping a hunt nowadays where you got stabilizers and stuff, yeah. you know, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Right. Did Did you own the equipment, Larry, or did I you? Did. You I went did. Out. Yeah. Was, wow. This is what. <laughs> <laughs> Almost broke me, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went out. I, after I decided I'm going to do my own thing, I spent about $20,000 on cameras, decks, um, editing decks, all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's going all in. Oh, man. <laughs> One uh, later on, I bought another camera. It was you know had it was a little bit better. Didn't have stabilizers or anything. And we went on a hunt down in uh, Northern California, my son and I, on a on a deer hunt, black tailed deer. My son fell down the first day, and he had the camera on his back, and he broke it. Oh no! <laughs> and so that was. Uh, Expensive hunt. <laughs> cost me a thousand dollars to fix the camera. <laughs> there you are. Those darn camera guys. So after elk fever, elk fever two. How many other projects or productions did you embark on or, or complete? Or is it too many to list? Uh, no, there's. Uh, I did uh, one called. Hunting Trophy Hogs, Wiley Whitetails. Um, well, anyway, it's about it's, it's about uh, seventeen other productions. Oh wow! They were our productions. Some of them was uh, shorter than that. One of them was uh, just a how to call a tape on how to call. Uh-huh. You know, and I had another video which. Um, I called elk memories, which was really about how to, once you got your elk down, how to bone it and take care of it, you know, and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And and I, I've always been heavy into, you might say, teaching. Yeah. Years ago, when I first started archery and I got so excited about it, I thought, you know, if my dad would have taught me all about, he knew about hunting, then... I could go on from there and I'd be a great hunter and then I could eat my, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way. Your kids never do listen to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was the only fallacy with that. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, because of that thought, in elk fever, in almost every one of my productions, there is some meat and potatoes for hunters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my myself, I'll go to a, hunting seminar of somebody that's maybe the same subject Cabell and I'll listen to every word he's got because he might say one thing one little thing that might make a difference in my hunting you know yeah, yeah. that I thought oh that's a great idea yeah 
Did, did you have people say, Larry, don't be telling everybody this stuff? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, this, some. Did, yeah, you, did yeah. you have your critics of, Larry, this is our secret. This is, this is Well, I read about it. Well, it's Larry's fault. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you're going to ruin hunting. I wrote, wrote you know, many articles. And I remember one where I wrote about bear hunting on Prince of Wales Island. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I don't know how many, how many times I heard, well, Larry ruined the hunting on Prince Wales Island. There isn't any bears left there now. You know? <laughs> Corey and I are laughing as you say that because today the same thing applies. Sure. Uh, and no matter where you go or what story you try to tell, people who, for you know, they didn't draw their tag or they went and this year there was someone else at a trailhead. Mm-hmm. There, there's got to be someone who is at fault for this. <laughs> it's comforting for me to hear that. Well, Larry got blamed for yeah. this stuff for a lot of years. It, yeah. so. I ruined elk hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got that one too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, sure. wow. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's, I remember when we were doing the linguist, and uh, you know, with with me with Elk 101, that's that's my goal too, is to share what little I know with somebody else, and mm-hmm. if it makes them an inkling of a better elk hunter then that's a, po- that's a positive. Mm-hmm. And I asked you the question, you know, I, I distinctly remember my question and your answer. I just said, were people hungry for elk hunting information back then? And you said, listen, people are hungry for elk hunting information today. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it hasn't changed. We want to learn. Mm-hmm. It's just today there's a, a much better vehicle and platform to learn from with the internet. We can, we can learn anything we want, yeah. right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and back, back when I started... There wasn't very much, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's why people enjoyed my cassettes. And I wasn't very good, you know. I wrote all that stuff down yep. because I'm not very good at just blah blah blah, you know, coming out <laughs> sweet and smooth. <laughs> I make lots of mistakes, and uh, but people really, you know, I have people all the time tell me I still got that, you know, elk, elk uh, master of those elk you know, or whatever it was, you know, cassette that they, yeah. they bought, you know. I learned so much out of that, you know. So, so it's it's gratifying, though. Yeah. It's it gratifying. Is. No, I, you know, I don't have quite the story that Corey does in Bozeman when I first moved there in 1991. Your video was, uh, so I'm really going to date myself here. So I, I'm older than all these guys. I'm, I'm going to be 55, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm washed up in the world of elk hunting. But uh, there was a grocery store on North 7, and they had a little place where they rented videos, which at the time you had to pick, do I want a beta tape or a VHS tape? And you really hope that if you had a beta machine that the title you wanted to watch was in beta and yeah. not VHS. Well, your video was there. I have no idea how many times I rented that. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. And, and there were some other ones, like Dwight. I, were you on Dwight's uh, High Country Mule Deer one that was filmed in Nevada? Uh, he, he, he was in one of, one of them that I did, but the, uh, Stony Wolf Productions had him do, okay. do one, too. I, I can't remember wh- which one it was, but 
I was just enthralled with his spot and stock yep. of, of mule deer and how he gave, he, like you were saying, he gave a lot of information along with a hunt of, you know, they have this early morning bed and then they got their all day bed. So wait till they go to their all day bed before you do your stock. And I'm like, I have watched that. I don't know how many <laughs> times. So it's, it's just, I, I don't know, sitting here thinking about how long this has been going on. Yeah. For some of our listeners, 33 years ago, yeah, they aren't even that old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of them aren't. A lot of them have never heard of elk fever. Or, or Larry they will, Jones. They will for now. sure. Is they there will, a place yeah, where people can buy elk fever still? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the guys that, it's funny, the guys that bought my game call business mm -hmm. was, was for businessmen that had their own businesses and so they had four chiefs and no Indians Indians so you can kind of figure out how that one went but they yeah. sold it to another guy uh, and uh, uh, they they still sell my products yeah. okay huh. and, and what about elk fever 3 where's where's it going to be available do we know yeah so um, Rocky Mountain Elk is going to be putting it out um, later this month, so we're going to figure out exactly when to put that out here this weekend. So it'll and be on their website, it'll, most likely. It'll be on their website. It'll be on their YouTube. It'll be on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, so I think that YouTube is probably going to be the, the best place to, to find it. Um, so we'll probably, I'm sure they'll be announcing it. Um, I sure will be. And uh, yeah, so we'll, once we have a solid date, we'll definitely get that out there. Because uh, we definitely want everyone to enjoy it, you know. Yeah, and hopefully yeah. by the time we publish this, we'll have that information and be yeah. able to include cool. it. But. Yeah, it's, I probably should say that point blank calls is the where you can find elk fever. Oh, okay. Yeah. And will elk fever three <laughs> be available on DVD? I don't know. Or VHS. Uh, we have, we have VHS. VHS. Yeah. VHS. We gotta we gotta complete yeah. the trilogy. You can't oh, just have man. two on disc and Yeah. We'll we'll have it on like a sixteen millimeter roll if somebody <laughs> wants to <laughs> wants to project it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, we did end up doing I remember we did a record with the linguist soundtrack, yeah. you know, and that was fun. But uh yeah, so I think, I don't know if we'll put it out on, a lot of people have been asking that if it's going to be on DVD. And if enough people want it on DVD, then sure. We'll I mean, I think we can do yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, whatever works, you I, know. I just cherish the thought of packaging up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for a price. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, my mind's going the other way. I'm thinking, how do we get a hold of the digital copies of Elk Fever and Elk Fever yeah, 2? Well, well, I have them digitized. And you do? Yeah. So uh, it actually was pretty hard getting my hands on an Elk Fever 2. But Larry, Larry found one for me. And uh, so I have them digitized, and we've been talking about finding a place where those can go online and people can enjoy them. Mm -hmm. I've just got to make sure um, on whoever owns the rights right. to that yeah. is cool with that. Yeah. We don't want to uh, take advantage of anyone's um, business. So, right. um, yeah. But, I mean, I think that I, I've YouTubed it and looked. There's some really... Uh, crappy versions of like trailers or something from Elk Fever, but I don't know where they came from. Um, but it, I think it'd be great to get yeah. that online. Yeah. I think a lot of people would, especially in light of this one coming out, give some good context to if you have aren't familiar with the history. So yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, Larry, talk about Dwight. Because for me, growing up, there was, um, it was just the dynamic duo. It was Larry D. Jones and Dwight Shue. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, it was Batman and Robin. It was, it was everything that you look for in a hunting partner. And to see, like Ben's mentioned, you see it in Elk Fever 3, just that banter. Mm-hmm. And I know it, it can be difficult because you both had different paths. You were, you know, both writers. You're both competing for page well, space at times. Wait a second. <laughs> Dwight was a writer. Yes. <laughs> you wrote articles. I wrote some articles. Dwight helped me a lot with my writing, okay? And, but I remember one of the first things I, I wrote this little thing, and back then I wrote it by hand, and, and uh, I sent it over to him, and it came back just uh, uh, more red than, <laughs> than black, okay, <laughs> with the corrections. Like, you know, the school mom, he, yep. this is, you can't do this, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we had a special relationship, and, and uh, like, we had our arguments, but Dwight was, Dwight's, was a a smart hunter and he did research like you can't believe and i learned a lot from him you know but uh, we he's also uh a guy that gets after it even, even though he'd get discouraged the next day we're getting up and doing it again you know and uh, and i'm i'm the same type person I, I, I don't know I, if I've ever seen you discouraged, though. That's <laughs> well, and, and God's blessed me with with some good legs and endurance. Yeah, you know, uh, some people can keep up with a 77 year old guy for two or three days, but after that, <laughs> after that, I, you know, I keep going. I just can keep going. You know. <laughs> Even if we do it, I mean, last last year I went mule deer hunting, and the last day we we hiked 15 miles out of the Ruby Mountains. Wow! And, and, and I, Randy's over here saying he's 55 and washed yeah. up, and I saw Larry kind of look at him like I know. With that <laughs> After I said look. that, Larry, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. But anyway, anyway, with Dwight, he he was he's a wonderful Christian man. Uh, that that. Uh, on the outside, looked like a serious hunter and all that, you know, in, in person. But he was one of the most funny guys I ever hunted with. Huh. He did some of the most funny things, had a great sense of humor. And <clears throat> my my last hunt with him was in Arizona last year. He drew an Arizona tag, and I went down there with him to assist him. And uh, he said... Larry, I'd like you to come down and videotape the hunt for Bow Hunter, you know. And he said, because these other cameramen will just screw up my hunt. <laughs> oh, yeah. He told, he told ben, me. Ben no, I was not invited. He told me, I, he's like, I'm sorry. I hope you understand, but I don't know you. And I'd want, I want Larry to. And I was like, hey, man, I, that's fine. I fully respect that. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and so he, he said, "I want you to go because these other guys screw you up." And I said, "Dwight, I can screw you up just as easy as somebody else." He says, "Yeah, but then we can kiss and make up." <laughs> so, you know, that's the kind of guy he was. I mean, we we agreed to disagree, and um, we we both loved the outdoors. We both loved the Lord, and 
And you loved elk hunting. We loved elk hunting. <laughs> we loved mule deer hunting. We loved a lot of hunting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Bowhunter TV did a tribute to Larry. To, to Dwight. Or to, to, to Dwight. White, that yes. was, mm-hmm. it was well done. It had a lot of that Arizona yeah. hunt in it. Yeah. That was my last, last hunt with him. And <laughs> yeah. There's a couple special moments in, in Elk Fever 3 that, you know, I sat there and teared up for sure. And it's, uh, those are relationships that, you know, outside of marriage, yeah. people who don't hunt don't understand mm-hmm. how the bond that you create with the hunting partner. Yeah. And well, outside of your spouse, there's probably nobody you're going to share as many disappointments with as many failures <laughs> with the occasional success. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and there's nobody you're probably going to have the thought go through your mind of, this is a dumb idea. Why, why, did, <laughs> why, why did he, why, why, who came up, uh, this was is my idea, idea but I, I guess he's put up with some of my stupid ideas. So I yeah. guess I'm going to go through with this. And th- there is something to that, Corey, that it's, it's a different type of relationship it that is. you build, that builds an a lot of strong feelings and you have to look you see their weaknesses they're on display you see them at their weakest moment and their most frustrated moment and they're vulnerable and i think that creates a bond that you know there's there's and i guess for me i was 12 years old and i see these two people who are interacting together and celebrating each other i think it was elk fever the first one um i think it was dwight that said thank you to you for calling in the bull, uh, you know, and there was just that teamwork. It was, mm-hmm. it was all a team. There was no ego. And in today's world, there's just so much, I want the spotlight. I want the spotlight. And there's none of that sharing in success. And that's, that's a legacy that hopefully never gets lost. But for me, it was solidified with Larry Jones and Dwight Shue. Wow. I, I'm excited to go see this. I'm uh, like, well, get, get it, get it playing. Here. Yeah, right. Oh man. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I've learned a lot, uh, from other storytellers, not just storytellers in the hunting space, but I'd listen and read a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with hunting. Because I want to see how are people trying to connect dots to actually tell a story. Um, we do, I think we're on our sixth film releases next week. And films are way, way harder than oh, yeah. any of this other stuff. These longer type projects. And I mean, Elk Fever, Elk Fever 2 are more films than they are videos yep. per se. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're story. a whole series of ups and downs and successes and failures that are connected in a way that when you're done, you're like, I think I'll watch that again tomorrow. (laughs) Whereas, you know, so much of our content today is not quite, it just isn't that. And so I, I I hope people go on and seek out Elk Fever, Elk Fever 2, and and some of the other people earlier who you were probably had a peer group that you were talking to or like, how how do you guys do in this when it's raining? They were were talking to him on a rotary phone. (laughs) There was no texting or sending an email. Larry was writing them long handwritten cursive writing letters. (laughs) Uh, No, but I, I think that 
there's there's mentors and then there's peers and we yeah. can learn from both. Uh, I know I I have. Yeah. So I have to ask, will there be an elk fever four? <laughs> I don't know, Ben. Is there going to be elk fever four? Oh man, <laughs> we could spend three or four years on that project. <laughs> I might kill. I might yeah. kill an elk. <laughs> <laughs> and we kicked around making it a two season thing. Yeah, actually, we you know we in the field, <laughs> but <laughs> things weren't going as. You know, exactly his plan. And, we were th- like, and then shit. Ben decided he wanted to stay married. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I learned a, learned a big lesson last year about marriage and hunting and time in the field. I spent almost 30 days hunting elk. I guess that's what you did, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're still married, my, right? My children are older. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it does make it. There yeah. is a difference. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've been able to stretch my time in the field yeah. as my children have gotten older. Yeah. And you've got, I mean. he, My boy just turned three yeah. yesterday or day before. So, mm. you know, that's that's tricky. Yeah, so I, you know, spent a bunch of days filming with Larry and then um, then I had my own elk hunt later in the month and uh, was heading over to from Idaho to Wyoming and, and uh, you know, called my wife like, hey, so I could fly <laughs> home right now and spend a few days at home or I could just start hunting and maybe get done earlier. What would you want me to do? I'm trying to put it in her court. Yeah. And she's like, just go. When I got home, I really realized, you know, she's not going to, she knows how much I loves it. She, you know, she's not going to be like, no, come home. But I learned that I really got to step up and, and make a decision that's best for my family and just got to be a little bit more conscious of breaking it up. And, mm-hmm. and I learned, learned, uh, definitely learned a big lesson about that last season. So, <laughs> well, <one laughs> and I'm still married. Uh, yeah. well, so, that's that's yeah. the good news. <laughs> one of the things that, uh, helped me, you know, stay gone hunting a little bit longer was the fact that it was part of my business for a yeah. while, you yeah. know, and that was easier. <clears throat> and my wife, Miriam has been very, you know, very, very good about saying, yeah, go ahead and hunt. But I do remember one time she says, I think you've been gone enough. (laughs) (laughs) When when your wife says that, I think it's a good idea that you say, okay, honey, I think you're right. (laughs) I was thinking that same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on my way home right now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm tired of this. (laughs) I need a break. But, you know, we are the lucky ones. We're the lucky ones that have spouses that, you know, don't get upset with that. But I, I, when I used to do t- seminars, I would tell my audience, I said, ladies, be thankful that your husband is a hunter. Because when he's hunting, he's not at a bar yep. ch- or chasing other women. Yeah. You know, he's doing something he enjoys. And so be thankful for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out why my wife has put up with me for 30 years. <laughs> I'm thankful she doesn't listen to any of my podcasts or anything else. She an- she answers my emails for the or handles a lot of them. So, and yeah, you you are indebted. That uh, tells everybody Corey, where to go hunt. Corey, if she ever comes and asks for the piper to be paid, I'm going to be in bankruptcy. Yeah. It's, it's, well, I think the ledger's way out of balance. At my I house. think we're all in that same same boat. Yeah. So, so no, the reason I asked about Elk Fever Four is you've got a pretty special tag in Arizona this year. Yeah. Oh, oh great. Man. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And I've I've actually hunted myself in that unit, and you're in for a treat. 
Yeah. Oh man. I, I realize that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then he might look at you, Ben, and say, no offense, but you're going to ruin my hunt. Exactly. Yeah. Good Take chance. a lesson from Dwight. Good, good chance I might. Reflect, man. Reflect. <laughs> yep. So, Larry, I'm sure people listening are wanting us to ask the question. You said you've been elk hunting 50 years? Well, let's see. I started elk hunting in 1962. Oh, wow. So, it's been so more than that. 57 years. <laughs> uh and I know that this is a generalized question, but one is what's the biggest change you see you've seen, and two, not technical advice, but just general whether it's life advice or advice that gets you through the hard times of hunting. You got you got anything that you say this is what I fall back to. Well, the changes, of course, is <clears throat> there's a lot more information. Yeah. If you want to learn how to hunt elk, it's not hard to learn. It's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because <Yep. laughs> I can say, you know, you, you got to go up over these mountains. You got to find this stuff. And if you look on a map, here's where you're going to find the elk and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. But uh, if if someone from the east who hunts black, whitetails is listening to this, you might be intimidated when you look into uh, 20 miles of timber and valleys and, you know, and, stuff, and that's where the elk are, you know. Uh. So that's a hard part for people. Um, <clears throat> so, um, but also, it's a lot harder to call elk in in places where, where the general public is hunting them. Really? That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, when I had a prototype of my um, original Jones elk call that year, I called in 13 bulls, 13, um, 30 yards and under in 11 days. That's a pretty good hunt. That's, that's <laughs> really good. <laughs> that's, a, okay. that's multiple seasons for a lot of people. That's exactly. That's my whole point. And, and nowadays, the elk are educated enough that, uh, and, and I can undoubtedly call better. I have, My knowledge is much greater well, except the stuff where I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's about, you know. Balancing out. Balancing out somewhat. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I know more about it. Uh, and I can't do that today. And, and sometimes I'm lucky to only hear a bull every two or three days unless I get it. You know, things are just right. Sometimes uh, uh, the rut takes cold and and there's enough bulls in the area, but a lot of times the bull cow ratios are lower, and the more the higher the bull cow count is, the you know 25 bulls per hundred cows instead of 10. Yeah. There's just a lot more excitement in there, and these elk are competing more because there's more of them, you know. Yeah. And so there's times like that that happens, and but generally speaking. The big mature bulls, something that's four or five years old and older, they are call smart. <laughs> they are hunt smart. And they are hard to kill. You just get lucky sometimes. But usually it takes a lot of grit. I mean, you have to get after them and 
sometimes you can, you know, circle around or be patient and easy in on them and, and get them. But I think it's harder today to kill them. Hmm. I'm waiting for the second part of the question. What was that? The life advice. What do you do when, when life gets you down, when elk hunting gets you down? Elk what hunting advice? doesn't get you down. There's no... What's the okay, negative? <laughs> so, so here, there's an example. How I feel, okay? My brother Jim had a heart attack and a stroke in the first, same night, and so he's in rehabilitation. And he says, I can't do that. And I said, Jim... There is no can't. You can do this. It's just going to be hard. That's what elk hunting's like. Hmm. You can do this, but it's going to be hard. And even though I'm 77, I hike daily, not daily, you know, quite often with my pack on, carrying 25 pounds up some steep stuff. You know, usually I, I hike in Mount Pisgah which he only got a little third of the weight up to to film part for this production. Yeah, he only made it a third of the weight. Well, you went to the top and then he no, waited there for I, you to come I, down. I he didn't because he wanted to do some other stuff. So <laughs> anyway, so, you know, even if I, I pound away at it and towards elk season, I'll be doing it more often, more, you know, harder stuff. I'm never ready for elk hunting. Mm. Physically, I'm never ready. Yeah. And it's hard. But that's where they live. <laughs> that's right? what you got to do? That's what you got to do. Yep. Uh, I mean, you can kill elk driving roads, calling down in the canyons, stuff like that. But usually to get away from people and stuff, you got to have some true grit. Yeah. That's what Dwight had. Huh. Well, for me, I, I just think elk hunting has prepared me for so many other things in life. There's so many things in life you can't control, just like in elk hunting. You can't control what the other hunters do. You can't control what the elk does. You can't control the moon phase or the weather. So you just got to figure out, how am I going to deal with this? So mm -hmm. It's, like you said, it requires grit. It's not easy. It doesn't, normally it doesn't just land on your lap. You're going to fail most of the time for that one piece of success. And I think about how elk hunting has helped me in my life as a business owner. It's like, this running a business stuff is easy compared to hunting elk <laughs> on public land. <laughs> I mean, this is a walk in the park compared to elk hunting. Yeah. But the, right. the thing it is, if it was easy we wouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, if we could kill an elk every time we went out the door, I mean, shoot. Yeah. No, it's a challenge. I love challenges. Yeah. Yep. And I hope I'm still challenging those elk at 85. I hope you are too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just, we'll you know, you talk about challenges and overcoming them and finding a way. It's not like you've had a, a life of physical, free, you know, no... Uh, hardships physically that's i mean you had heart attack yeah right you I, had, had, I had bypassed yeah, yeah. Shoulder, oh, really? shoulder i mean i'm three shoulder repairs yeah you, one back repair <laughs> i've seen wow. you shooting a mouth tab on a on a recurve or a longbow you know because your shoulder yep <laughs> isn't ready to draw and so you just you find a way and that's yeah. just so inspiring to see someone at 77 saying yeah it's tough that's how it's supposed to be let's go get it <laughs> and that's see and I, I was shooting the mouth tab because of Dwight. Yeah. He had shoulder repair and he shot a moose. I, he asked me to go with him to help him 
butcher it and get it out. Not it, the fun part. <laughs> no, but it was it was fun filming him to do that, and and uh, we had a great time. That's awesome. Yeah. But he was shooting that, so I thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do because <laughs> I don't have time to get this healed up enough, and I got to get it repaired. I'll just shoot him out that. <laughs> wow. I hope that people listening are really this is sinking into him, Larry. I, you say it, and you kind of laugh. But it's extremely valuable what you just said and to have younger people. And I was at that point in my life where I thought, if I go buy another gadget or if I go buy some other gizmo, elk hunting is going to get easier. It was when I finally decided, this is just hard. (laughs) This is just really not something that I can do real well that I accepted that mindset and quit thinking there were shortcuts, all of a sudden I was filling more elk tags. And I think in today, I hate to sound like, you know, grandpa or something like, oh yeah, uphill both ways. Uh, You are 50, what? 50, almost 55. (laughs) But I, I do think that there's always a tendency that when we start into something, we think it should be easy. Or it's going to get easier as we, yeah. Yeah. I, I I hope when, when someone of Larry's experience says it should be hard, it's going to be hard, but that's the beauty of it. I hope people are listening and, and really thinking to yeah. that is the essence of elk hunting. And you have to wake up every day like it's a brand new day and you don't know a thing and go out there and give it your all. And that's somebody this morning, we're, we're here in Utah for the World Elk Calling Championships and I think I was more nervous today than I've probably ever been. It's a new format and everything. And somebody came up and said, how's it going? I'm like, pretty nervous. I'm like, what do you have to be nervous about? You've won, you know, X number of times. Right. And I said, nothing from the past matters today. It really doesn't. It has no bearing on what happens today. And elk hunting's the same. I don't care how many years you've been doing it. You can't ever sit back and, and rest and say, I'm good. I can go out and get it done without any effort because... You're going to get slapped upside the head with a whole truckload of humble pie. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, every day. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Today is a different day, and you've got to give it everything you have. I heard somebody say that Clint Eastwood, someone asked him, how do you continue to do what you're doing at your age? And I'm, he's in his 80s, or, you mm-hmm. know. And he says, each morning when I get up, I tell the old guy to stay home. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, man, I could sit here for hours and yeah. soak this up, but I know you guys yeah. have, uh, have another appointment. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're excited to, to come out and we'll be there 100% supporting this and, and cheering it on as you launch Elk yeah. Fever 3 tonight here at the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation uh, elk camp and mountain festival. Yeah. So. Uh, ben, thanks for having the vision to propose to Larry and Larry. Thank, thank you for all you've done for people like me who grew up, uh, I was that whitetail hunter you talked about. I grew up in Northern Minnesota, moved to Nevada in 1984 or 85, whatever it was. Uh, but you, you, you and the way you did things were always just something that, was uh, 
the path that I thought this is the path you follow. This this is how you do it. This mm-hmm. this guy, he's humble. He's he's informational. He's all these things. And I just thank you for one spending time with us today, but also just being the way you've been. Well, thank uh, you, and it's it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's you know I. I shared the story. I grew up, you know, you were the the spark, I think, that that lit that flame. And and to have somebody to look up to as I grew up as an elk hunter that I could never catch, that was always moving ahead, gave me that continual desire to stretch and just continue to get better. And to be so genuine and share the information you have, it's definitely inspired me to find others that that don't have that that don't have a mentor and and help them just feel just that flame of passion that elk hunting brings to us and that's a it's a trail that you've blazed and we are happy to walk behind you on that trail thank you and i I think we should also say that of us that love elk hunting like all of us right here do and probably most of our audience (laughs) yeah the Rocky Mountain Owl Foundation is putting their their feet on the ground and their money on where it needs to be, and um, we're we're privileged to have that found, this foundation. So we'll have elk forever. And I have a I heard a little bit of trivia today. You are Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation life member is at number forty six. 47. 47. Wow. So that's, uh, that's support from 30 years ago of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and to this day. Yeah. That's, uh, you saw the vision then and see what it's yeah. done now. Yeah, well, that was Bob Munson and the, the four people, you know, that yep. started it. But Bob came to me in Seattle, I think it was Seattle, in a parking lot. And he said, I'd like to talk with you. And because I was doing seminars up there, that was when I was doing them all the time, yep. <laughs> many, many. And he said, he told me all about the foundation, what the vision was. And I was, I was on board immediately. Yep. I think that was in 1983. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, if ever there's a place to build statues for visionaries, Bob Bunsen and Charlie Decker deserve to, yep. and, and the, the other two co-founders, but Bob and Charlie really saw it all all the way through. Yep. Uh, if you're an elk hunter, someday you need to know who Bob Munson and Charlie Decker were. Right. Uh, I think today's a good day to know. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we better wrap this up, but folks, thanks so much for listening. Ben, Larry, truly. Thank you. Thank you not only for for this hour of of your time, but for the last however many years, Larry and Ben, for your vision and sharing it with us. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Yep. Folks, we'll catch you on the next one.